the eight, I'll tell you something that we all want. We want to renew and reset some aspect of our life. Regardless of your worldview, everyone could agree that I want to renew or reset some aspect of my life. This is why we are, this is why the eight exists. The eight, the number eight, reflects a reality of a new start, a new beginning. There's seven days in a week. Eight would be a new start, like symbolically. So in the same way for us, if we are wanting to, to renew and reset some aspect of our life, in the Christian worldview, it is not theoretical. It is identified in the person who transcended the limitations of death, that the fullness of life came through the one who is the fullness of divinity and humanity. We all want to reset life. We all want a new beginning. And this is why Easter is such a big deal. Like to us, the limitations and the reality of what death was, was redefined. We all want a new beginning, a new start, a new life. I get it. But for us to get to that point, there has to be a prerequisite before that. We have to embrace certain truths, certain realities, in order for us to, to, to embrace a new start and a new life. Last week, we looked at the prerequisite of holding on to hope, but at the same time, knowing that there is pain. We can hold on to hope, but we can also understand and see clearly that there is pain in this temporal world. Some, Christian, some versions of Christianity will try to pray away or dismiss the, the pain of this world and just capitalize on hope and just put away that and just hold on to prosperity and just hold on to hope and that's it without and just trying to, to belittle the pain that's in this world. But we looked at clear evidence of broken people throughout scripture, throughout church history, who understood the pain and brokenness in their own lives, but they held with boldness, with confidence, with courage, knowing that hope in the person who left the tomb empty is what defines them. Part two of prerequisites. Here is something that you and I know. It's human nature to avoid things we don't like. It's human nature to avoid things we don't like. I don't like this traffic. Let me open ways to see if there's an alternative route. I mean, it, it's, I, I, now I hardly watch commercials, but we hate commercials, right? We, I, just, I watched SportsCenter, just watched the recording of just 30 minutes ago, and I can just go right through the commercials. We avoid things we don't like. I don't like commercials. You don't like commercials. We do everything possible to avoid things in life we do not like. But what if there are certain aspects of my life and your life in which we cannot avoid? There are certain aspects of our life which we don't like, but we are unable to avoid. This has been one heck of a 12 months for all of us. And we had to confront certain aspects of our life, certain aspects of relationships, certain aspects of ourselves in which we do not like. But we had to confront it. We couldn't dismiss it. We couldn't get busy to avoid it. That we had to face some of the hardships and things about ourselves that maybe we do not like. What I want to share with you now is a writing which seems so insensitive, it seems so passing, so passive, of, a, of an early Christian who most, most scholars say is actually a blood relative to Jesus. His name is St. James, the apostle. Most people say he is a relative of Jesus. And he was actually the bishop of, of the church in Jerusalem in the first century. And, and I want to share with you how he viewed trials. Last week we talked about pain. 
But I want us now to focus on the trials that you and I go through on a day-to-day basis. And I want us to see the lens, the optics of the first century church. How did they view trials? Did they try to run away from it? How did they pray through trials? How did the trials edify them? What's the appropriate thought process or spirituality for me to view trials that come into my life? St. James says this in, an, in, a, in a letter, a manuscript that he, he wrote to a group of early Christians in the first century. St. James says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, not if, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He didn't say, if you face trials, consider it pure joy. He says, whenever you face trials, which I guarantee you you will, Consider pure joy. It is so easy to dismiss this. and realize, Okay, great. That's, that's fabulous. That applies to St. James. That doesn't apply to me. How am I supposed to consider pure joy when I'm going through this, this, this pain, through this hardship, through this anxiety in which I'm losing sleep? I'm, I'm, I'm so off balance because of this. And it's so toxic to myself in so many relationships in my life. You want me to count pure joy when this trial is in front of me? What gives me confidence to, put, to, to lean in on what St. James is saying? Because this is a first eyewitness, a disciple, a follower, a student, a relative of Jesus. And for him to say that, there must have been some experience, some hardship, some trial in which he went through. And which he can say this with so much vulnerability and confidence. To say to consider it pure joy when you face many, many kinds of trials. He continues. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because... You know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. If you are like me, you probably grew up hearing a lot, you need to have faith. You need to have faith. Just have faith. Like, okay, but I, I, I don't know how. Okay, just pray about it. What do I pray about? I don't know if I have faith. And you kind of go through the circle of those types of conversations or those questions. But how is faith? How do I know if I have faith or not? Is it a button I press? Okay, I think I have faith. I don't have faith. Faith is exposed through trial. Trials expose the authenticity of our faith. Trials expose the authenticity of our faith. This is a very silly example. I even, I even put on my note an orange emoji to remind me of this example. An orange. How do you know the authenticity of an orange? You squeeze it. When it's put under trial, when it's put under pressure, when it's put under stress, how do you know what's inside the orange? It's by putting pressure on it. And once you see that, then you can see the authenticity of what the orange is. You and I, on good days, it's easy to say, yeah, I have faith. On good days, it's easy to connect with God and have quiet time with him. On easy days, it's easy to come to church. But on painful days when maybe we've lost hope or the trial is kind of suffocating us, it's easy to say, I just need time to myself. I don't need to come. I don't need to be around anybody. I can't sit with him today. I can't talk to him today. Faith is not just a button. Do we have faith or not? It is put to the test when trials come our way. Not if, but when trials come our way. You can know the authenticity of who I am. When I'm put under press, pressure, some of you have seen me when I get angry or when I get mad. There is somebody here that does see those aspects of my life regularly. You can see what's the authenticity of my, of, of my identity, of my faith, when I'm put under pressure. And the same is true for you and me. It's easy. It's easy to have faith when things are easy. 
But St. James makes it very clear. Consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, that exam, that quiz of your, of your faith, this is what produces perseverance. If I ask you, regardless if you're all into Jesus or, or not right now, if I ask you, do you want the virtue of perseverance? Everyone would say, yeah. But how are we building that muscle of perseverance? It has, I, for me to gain that virtue of perseverance, I have to change my optics, my view of how, I've, how I look at the trial in my life, the hardship of my life. If I look at it differently, this is how I can build the muscle of perseverance. But we live in a world, we, don't, we say, yeah, we say in, in theory, yeah, it would be great to have perseverance. But if something's not convenient for me, or I'm not feeling it on that first date, or I'm not feeling it after that interview, or I'm not feeling whatever, I close it. I'm done. We want things to be convenient. We want Amazon Prime. We want it on my door right now. There's no such thing as perseverance. We want it in theory. But when it comes to trials, we want to look at the trials very differently. We want it to just be dismissed. We want to pray it away. We want it to go away. As opposed to looking at it and saying, this somehow, in a weird way, I'm supposed to look at this and, and find pure joy in this. How? I don't know, but I'm going to go all into whatever St. James said. Because he must have been speaking from experience. He must have been experienced because he was a first eyewitness of experiencing his Savior. And because of that, I'm all in to what St. James is saying. Trials exercise our faith. Trials exercise our faith. When circumstances... When circumstances, when circumstances deteriorate, artificial, what's in it for me, faith, deteriorates right along with it. When circumstances deteriorate, artificial, what's in it for me, faith, deteriorates right along with it. When you get that phone call, when you have that conversation, when that thing happens at work or in your health or whatever the case might be, for most of us, not most, it happens to all of us. It's easy now, when, 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 when circumstances begin to deteriorate, when something begins to fall apart and unfold in my life, it's easy for the convenient, what's in it for me, faith, to, to, to fade away as well. Right? Because we approach so many things in our life from a consumeristic mentality. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Maybe that mentality also continues into church. What's in it for me? And we, we approach Jesus in the same way. What's in it for me? How can he make my life better? What's in it for me? What's convenient for me? But when trials come and things begin to unfold because of that phone call, because of that relationship broken, whatever the cause may be, when that trial comes, that faith, that is that version of faith, what's, what's in it for me, that consumeristic, that counterfeit, that artificial faith, fades along with it. And I cannot tell you how many people are post-Christians because their faith was based on the bedrock of what's convenient for me. And once pain comes... Once trials come, they say, oh, this trial come, and supposedly God did nothing for it? No, thank you. Then I'm done. I'm done with all that childhood Christianity stuff. This is the pandemic of America. That's the pandemic. Because we do not build in ourselves. We do not build in our, in our children. The genuine authenticity of faith, which is not a, meant, a version, what's, what's in it for me. It's not an artificial, superficial version of faith. St. James makes it very clear. Yeah, great, you have faith. But the authenticity of it is when it's exercised. The authenticity of it is how you approach the trials. This is what builds the virtue of perseverance. St. James, sorry, let me say this one point. Trials demonstrate and produce something. Trials demonstrate 
and produce something. Trials demonstrate who I am. Dem they demonstrate what version of faith do I have. The trials demonstrate, is it a superficial, consumeristic, what's in it for me version of faith? It, it, it shows, being, being, me being squeezed, me being pressured, shows what version of trust do I have. Trials demonstrate and produce something. St. James continues. St. James basically says in the next part, don't leave the gym early. Don't leave the gym early. Don't try to find an exit ramp to get away. St. James continues. Let perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and, compl and, and complete, not lacking anything. What is, he, what, what is St. James saying? He's saying, let perseverance complete its work so you will be complete. Again, he's kind of using a play on words. Let perseverance complete its work so you will be complete. Let perseverance complete its work so you will be complete. Don't find a way to get out early. St. James saying, don't leave the gym early. Persevere. I promise you, if you push through and you change the way you view your trial, this is where you will find life. This is where you will build that strong foundation, that authentic version of faith in which your trust is not what's in it for me, but your trust is built on the, the genuine foundation of what the first century church and first century followers of Jesus were based on. St. James wasn't trying to just pray away and dismiss the trials, but he's saying, look at it face to face, the trials, and say, this is where I find joy. This is where I need to build a solid foundation, a version of faith in which it will persevere, in which St. James continues, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Bear with me now for the next 60 seconds. I want to share with you now a quote from a 4th century bishop by the name of St. John Chrysostom. And I want to share how does he digest trials? How does he view perseverance? How does he view pain? One of the biggest advocates for social justice in human history is St. John Chrysostom. And I want you to look how he gives his meditation, his analysis, his commentary to what St. James said. He wrote these a few hundred years after what St. James wrote. As he's reading this manuscript, this epistle by St. James, this is how St. John digests it. This is the spirituality and fullness in the thought of the church. Suffering is a real bond. I promise you, you and I have never said that. Suffering is a real bond. An encouragement to greater love. I'm nowhere near what St. John is saying. For suffering to be a real bond, that my trial is an encouragement to greater love and the basis of spiritual perfection and godliness. Do you know the second I read this commentary this week as I was preparing, for St. John, John to say this, suffering is a real bond, an encouragement to greater love and the basis of spiritual perfection and godliness. Godliness, godliness. Don't we say when we come to partake of him at the Eucharistic celebration of liturgy that we're saying this is a mystery of godliness. So the, the, the first thought that hit my mind, so me finding godliness, which is my dream, that's my goal, that's I'm casting a vision for myself as a man of God, as a father, as a husband, is godliness. That requires, A, for me to partake of the mystery of godliness, which is the Eucharistic celebration, which is the divine liturgy. Okay? I'm all in. But it also requires me to, to embrace suffering as being a real bond, an encouragement to greater love. So my trials and partaking of him sacramentally, this is how I find godliness. That's what came to mind when I read that. 
Suffering is a real bond, an encouragement to greater love, and the basis of spiritual perfection and godliness. Listen to the one who says, if you want to serve the Lord, prepare your soul for temptation. Also, when I read that, why is St. John saying, listen to the one who says, if you want to serve the Lord, prepare your soul for temptation. So I'm like, what? What verse is that? Where does that come from? I, I Google that. That ain't in your Bible. That's not in my Bible. So what, what is St. John, where, where is Saint, what is he, the one who says? What is he quoting? We'll get to that later. Listen to this. I love this. The St. John says, For in the world, there is no one who wins a trophy without suffering. You get this. Athletes. Well, I, call, I like to think of myself an athlete. You like to, you, when you're working out, you, 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 in the world, there's no one who wins. You don't win. You don't reach your goal on your Peloton. You don't reach your goal in your workout or whatever without there being some suffering unless you break a sweat. There is some, the quote, unquote, maybe you wouldn't title it suffering, but in order to win, there has to be some victory. There has to be some suffering. You get this from an athletic, you see this in various aspects of life. For in the world, there is no one who wins a trophy without suffering, who has not strengthened himself with labors and dieting and exercise and vigils and many other things like that. How much more is that true in this battle? How logical is the first century church? How logical is the beauty of orthodoxy? Don't complicate it. What is St. John saying? He's saying, hello, this, this is the transcript of his sermon. He's saying, don't, 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 don't you, I mean, you get this in every other aspect of life. Don't you suffer to get that degree? Don't you, su don't you suffer to invest in your marriage? Don't you suffer to be vulnerable to, to, to reconnect in that relationship? Don't you suffer at the gym? Don't you suffer by not eating that thing so in order to lose a couple pounds before the summer? Don't you do that? How much more in this battle? Of, of, the, of the trials that exist in our life. If that's true in every other aspect of life, why not in spiritual warfare? The thing we want resolved in our lives, the thing you and I want resolved in our lives is exactly what God is using for our edification. The thing what you and I want to be resolved is the exact same thing that God is using for our edification. The essence of the tension in our lives the essence of the tension of our lives, is the epicenter of God's activity in our lives. If I said, raise your hand if you want the virtue of perseverance, you want to push through. Yes, Father Nate, I'm all in. I want perseverance. Great. What is St. James, what's his elaboration for gaining perseverance? What is St. James continues? He says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. You kind of read that verse, and you're like, I, I, something missed, okay? We talked about looking at trials through pure joy, gaining the muscle of perseverance. I'm with you. Then the next thing St. James says, it says he says the, um, the, to, to ask for wisdom. What on earth does wisdom have to do with you, my trial, and your trial? What does wisdom have anything to do? Well, that will be the last thing I'm praying for. I promise you, through your trial, through my trial, the last thing I'm praying for is like, God, give me wisdom. No. I say, Lord, take this person away from my life, make this person get sick, whatever the case might be, right? We pray like that. Let's, let's be real. We pray like that when it comes to trials. We want things to be poof, to be resolved in the way we want. But Sam James is saying, no, if you're lacking wisdom, let that be the catalyst for your prayer. St. James says, I'm sorry, before I go to that, 
if you and I are going through a tough time, we don't ask for wisdom. But let that be the change in our heart, in our mind, in our prayer. When trials, not if they come, when trials are there now and will continue to be for the rest of our life, until we have in, in the rest of our life in this temporal world, trials will always be at our, at, 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 at our front door. But do we approach it by asking for wisdom? Is that our weapon? Or do we want God to just remove the trial? How do we view the trial? And I saw this nice quote. We overvalue intelligence and undervalue wisdom. We overvalue intelligence. Right? There's tons of smart people. Tons of smart people. But a lot of them are not lack, or, or don't have wisdom. We overvalue intelligence and undervalue wisdom. In the, book, in, in the book of the Bible, in the library of the Bible, there are books inside the book. And there are different types of writing styles when, within the Holy Bible. And there are a certain aspect of writing, which is known as to be like writings of wisdom, that are kind of timeless truths that you can hold on to. And as we, both you and I get older, it makes more sense when we look at it. And we say, yeah, you know what, that is so true. That, that, that wise saying. These are kind of like just wise sayings for us to hold on to. And, I, and what I want to point to is I want to share a Bible that's in the Orthodox Bible. I want to share with you a passage that's in the original version of the Bible. I don't want to get into history, but as, as, as Christian history evolved, there came a point where some Christians said, you know what, let's remove this, bi let's remove this book, let's remove this book, and they, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week. But they said, let's, let's remove some of the books from the Bible. But if we look at the original version of what the early church leaders and fathers put together as being called the Bible, there's a book called the Book of Sirach. The Book of Sirach. Isn't that a drink, too? No? I just... Yeah, I don't... I, once I said it out loud, I was like, didn't I hear that before? But the book of Sirach, I want to share now, St. John Chrysostom's um, quote that I shared with you, he, said, he quotes the book of Sirach. He quotes the book of Sirach. So in the 4th century, in the 4th century, he's quoting a, a, a book from the Bible, which is not in your New King James Version of your, of your Bible. It's only in the Orthodox Study Bible. But he quotes this, and I want you... I love this. I want to share with you 10 verses in which St. John quotes, and I want you to listen to these timeless truths of, of, of him giving just, just life advice. So this is written by an author, uh, Sirach. He is a professor of, of, of uh, Judaism and ethics and around the year 180 B.C. So historically, he was a, a, a teacher of, of Judaism and ethics, and he said these words in the year 180 B.C. Son, when you apply yourself to the service of God, stand in justice and in fear and prepare your soul for temptation. Humble your heart and persevere. Incline your ear and accept words of understanding. And you should not hurry away in the time of distress. Endure steadfastly for God. Join yourself to God and persevere so that your life may increase in the very end. Accept everything that will happen to you. Again, accept everything that will happen to you and persevere in your sorrow and have patience in your humiliation. For gold and silver are tested in fire, 
Yet truly, acceptable men are tested in the furnace of humiliation. Believe God, and he will restore you to health. And straighten your way, and hope in him. Observe his fear, and grow old in it. You who fear the Lord, wait for his mercy, and do not turn away from him, lest you fall. You who fear the Lord, believe in him, and your reward will not be taken away. You who fear the Lord, hope in him, and mercy will approach you to your delight. You who fear the Lord, love him, and your hearts will be illuminated. Isn't that nice? That was Sirach chapter 2, first 10 verses. I'm more inspired. Like, one of my favorite things in ministry is actually the sacrament of confession. I like it so much because I get inspired when I see somebody else's struggle, when I see them pushing through through their struggle, and they're coming with vulnerability to God in the mystery of confession, and I see their struggle, and I see them pushing through. I get inspired for a couple of reasons, but one is I ask myself, I might be struggling with the same thing, but in a different way. I ask myself the same thing. But I also love seeing their perseverance, them pushing on hope, even if they come to the mystery of confession, and they come with no hope, but they're coming to God in the sacrament, that inspires me. And I love seeing how they're approaching the trial that's in their life. And in and, and, and a weird way, that gives me life. Like, I, to me, it, it pushes me through because I'm like, I, we're in this together. Okay, your version of trial might be different than my version of trial, but we're in this together. Let's stand up and pray, and we pray the absolution. And, and, we, and we both acknowledge that we are two weak people, wanting to be made whole, wanting to com complete our journey of a persevering to the end, and to view our trials as pure joy. And I love that. This is why, my friends, the church makes a big deal of the saints of the church. We find life when we see their struggle. We find life when we see how they persevered. This is why we honor and venerate the saints, the, 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 the people, the men and women who have come before us. We honor them not just uh, for whatever reason, for blessing, and no, that we find life in their struggle. This is why their biography, their, their, the stories of their lives that, that were written, they highlight their struggle. For us to be like, man, okay, if, if, if St. George could do it, if, if this saint can do it, man, I got this, I got this. If he pushed through with perseverance and found life because he completed his journey of perseverance, I got this too. It, this is what gives us hope. <laughs> Every, when I think of the saints of the story, I think of the analogy when I was in dental school, when I lost all hope, and I kept on failing one class after another, and I'm at the bottom of my class, I'm, I'm that's it. This is not for me. Obviously, it wasn't for me, but it ended up, then I thought it was not for me. What gave me hope is when I see on the walls of the other previous graduating classes, and I'm like, okay, you know what? That guy looks like me. If he, if, you know, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm not the dumbest, I don't think. So if he can make it, I can make it too. This is the theology of the church. This is why we honor and venerate the saints. If they can make it through, man, I can make it through. This is why we honor them as we look at their struggle and their perseverance. Their faith produced perseverance and courage in the midst of trials in our fallen world. In your life and in my life, 
God will use what he chooses not to remove. God will use what he chooses not to remove. The thing that you and I want to be dismissed and taken away and that person to be removed or that thing to be removed or whatever the case might be, that thing, that sickness, that relationship, that issue is exactly what God is wanting to use in my life and in your life. St. James finishes off by this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Blessed, happy, happy is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Happy is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. What's the crown of life? I don't know. But I do know that's guaranteed for me. I see it in the book of Revelation. I see it in other aspects of the church. St. James says it. Whatever that is, I don't know. But I know that waits for me. It requires me to persevere. This is my prerequisite. If I'm wanting new life, if I'm wanting to rise from death the same way Jesus did, if I'm wanting that to be a reality in my life, then I have to persevere through my trial and not dismiss it, not pray it away, not for it to be resolved in the way I want, but for me to, to, to look at it with pure joy and ask for the weapon of wisdom, for me to seek wisdom, and for me to build the muscle, the virtue of perseverance. Let us stand for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, even if our life is just one day, we know that there are trials that always pull us down. And you even guarantee that there will always be trials. There will, all, there will always be hardships in our lives. But Lord, just as we pray in the liturgy that we look for the resurrection of the dead, we are looking for that resurrection. We are looking for that new life. We are embracing the, 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 for you to, to give us new life. But there are prerequisites. It requires us to look at pain the way that the early church did. It requires us to look at trials the same way the early church did. We cannot dismiss it. We cannot just put it aside. But for us to look at our trials, our hardships face to face, and to look at it and embrace it and say, this will give me pure joy. The thing that God chooses not to remove from my life is the exact thing my Heavenly Father wants to use for my edification. Lord, I pray that we can all, as a church family, build that muscle of perseverance for us to push through, through this fast, through our fasting, through our prayers, through our endurance, through our perseverance, we can declare on the Feast of Resurrection that Christ has risen from the dead, trampling down death by his own death, bestowing life to me. Through the prayers of St. James the Apostle, St. John Chrysostom, and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Can you guys have a seat for two minutes?